0: You're listening to the Elephant in the Room Property Podcast, where the big things that never get talked about actually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent and co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia.
1: And I'm Chris Bates, financial planner, mortgage broker and wealth coach.
0: And together, we're going to uncover who's really making the decisions when you buy a property.
1: Veronica will introduce our guest in a moment and I can tell you want to listen on to what he has to say about where you can find the best bargains
2: in a buyer's market. To buy an investment property, my advice if you're a buyer in the marketplace, you want to go and buy, and you wouldn't understand this, Veronica, is look at the agents that are selling out of area. Yeah. Look at the agents where other um, properties that are selling out of area. Look at the property's photos. You can tell if there's a tenant in there. And I can guarantee you will pick that property up. I reckon five to 10% under price. Oh, that's a huge amount. And that's mainly because the agent doesn't know the prices. They've rushed their owner onto the website because, you know, they just want the listing or they've got no idea. And they're pretty poor negotiators because they don't sell much property.
1: Please stick around for this week's Elephant Rider Bootcamp. And we have a cracking Dumbo of the Week coming up. Before we get started, everything we talk about on this podcast is generally nature and should never be considered to be personal financial advice. If you're looking to get advice, please seek the help of a licensed financial advisor or buyer's agent. They will tailor and document their advice to your personal circumstances. Now, let's get cracking.
0: This week, we're picking the brains of Mark Foy, principal sales agent, and I just discovered auctioneer as well, at Bell Property Surrey Hills in Sydney's inner suburbs. Now, Mark's bio specifically (coughs) mentions that he particularly focuses on looking after both buyers and sellers. And I quote, he appreciates the enormous trust his clients place in him when listing their largest financial asset. And he is also mindful of looking after buyers. Every prospective purchaser receives close attention with database clients getting first look at new listings before they're advertised. This win-win approach empowers buyers to make confident decisions while generating strong competition for his clients' homes. Now, we're really interested in understanding the strategies that he employs to manage and balance the interests of his vendors as well as buyers. Now, welcome, Mark.
2: Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Mark, Veronica stole my question Now, I'd love to <laughs> understand this. Because a lot of agents have been talking to us about we're here for the buyers and we're here for the sellers. Can you explain a little bit more about how do you actually get a win-win outcome?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost, we're employed by the seller. So our job is to get the best possible price. So in order to do that, we really focus on building a really great relationship with the buyer. So that is through database work, that is through showing them as many properties as possible, that is through offering as much advice as we can on the market conditions, on the other properties, what their prices are, what other agents' properties' prices are. So we find through doing all that, we build as much rapport with the buyer as possible, and then when it goes to asking for more money, then it's easier to negotiate. Really simple.
1: <laughs> I love that. It's really simple. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's a... Uh, uh... The more you invest in the buyer, the more they're going to invest in you, and I guess it's-, if it's
2: Totally. It's a, my, my whole philosophy is it's a circle, and if I help a buyer today, they will eventually be a seller, and in particularly in the inner city, people buy and they sell on average kind of every three or four years, so there's a high turnover of property trade in the inner city. So if I meet someone today and I help them, I mean, in four years' time, I've I've basically built up a relationship with them, and I'm nearly as sure to get that listing.
1: I'm really interested in Surrey Hills at the moment, which I think you do a lot of your work in Surrey Hills. Obviously, there's a light rail going through the suburb, and it's having a, quite a big disruption to, I guess the, I guess right. the vibe <laughs> in in Surrey Hills. Yeah, because you haven't got the whole kind of Crown Street kind of feel. How do you think that that's affecting buyers, and is that creating opportunities for buyers, and is it affecting sale prices? What do you think?
2: Look, I, I don't think you can say that's had a really direct impact on the prices. I think it's all positive, to be honest. And if you're a buyer and you're thinking of buying something today and flipping it in a year's time, you're not going to make any money. So I think that the reality is that this is all infrastructure change, which is which is really great for the community. I don't think that's had a real direct impact on pricing. I think that you know the downturn in the market has been a direct impact by you know APRA, which was introduced to the market in late 2015, which governs the financial service industry. Industry. And obviously, this royal inquiry, which is putting a lot of pressure on you know banks and lending, and now you're seeing borrowers instead of being able to borrow a million dollars, you know banks are saying, okay, well your borrowing capacity has come back 35, percent and you can only borrow 650 now. So that's that's what we're going to start seeing. So mm-hmm. you know that's put a lot of pressure. And you know I was just speaking to uh, our advisors, um, our um, brokers, and Derek was explaining to me today, basically, you know before, like when I went to get my first loan, right, my dad called up the bank manager and said, hey. You know, Mark wants to get a loan. Can he get a loan? No problem. Whatever. Just threw money at you. Now, this is years and years ago, but now you can't do that. Like, it's a 13-point checklist on what you spend your money on, like, from day to day. Like, cigarettes, um, like, you know, going out, having a beer, groceries, Everything, like they look right into it. So it's I only had, going to get I had, tough I and tougher. I just want to
0: interrupt with a story I heard the other day about a woman who was going for a loan and the bank came back and said, no, you can't get a loan because we think you're pregnant. And the reason Ouch. they thought she was pregnant was because she was actually uh, the matron of honour or her friend who was getting married who was pregnant and she was doing a baby shower and the bridal registry thing and had been into this baby shop Mm. (laughs) buying stuff basically for, you know, using other people's monies as well. They'd given her, you know, their credit cards and whatever their money because of that, it had shown up in her transaction history and they, the bank, she had to then go in and apparently sign stat decks and the whole bit to yep. prove she wasn't well, actually pregnant. So well, It's yeah, getting I mean, that, it's
2: it's that high tech and you, yeah. know, you can go into a grocery store now and, and, and walk out of a grocery store and, and not even pay money just like clicks your card. So, like all your payments and everything that you do day to day will just go on to like it doesn't. It's not happening now, but eventually, in a couple of years' time, it'll just be on a system, and they'll just see what you spend your money on, what your habits are, and then they'll be able to be. Able to say, okay, well, this person's riskier, or this person's. You know, we can give the money to them. That's how it's going to work. So Incredible, that's 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 the direction. <laughs> totally. So
1: finance does drive the property market, and you know, and banks. You know, while they will want to go into this detail, fundamentally, banks will want to lend the money as
2: well i know because they've got to appease their shareholders and all that kind of stuff but 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 i think that um you know it's the government just at the moment they're they're, they're playing their cards really well they're they're balancing the economy and you know it need to happen because you know if you look at surrey hills and, and and darlinghurst the medium house price in surrey hills and darlinghurst year on year 18 and 19 percent year on year increased like you just can't the the, the market can't sustain that
0: No, I mean, and that is unsustainable or was unsustainable regardless of whether this is all going to come into play anyway. But okay, so buyers can't get the money, but- They're struggling
2: to get the money. I wouldn't say they can't get the money. They're they're proving a little bit more difficult. You know, instead of taking a week to get your pre-approval, it's probably taking you two or three weeks now. All they are really doing is dotting the I's and crossing the T's, making sure that you can borrow and pay back the loan to 8% if interest rates go to 8%. And so how Mm -hmm. is that
0: impacting the way that you're working with both your vendors and your
2: buyers? So, I mean, first and foremost, everyone needs to be aware of it. So we're we're educating our vendors and we're educating our buyers. You know, from a buyer perspective, like a lot of had a lot of buyers say to me, Mark, why would I buy now? Because the market's going down. But like, to be honest, there's never been a better time to buy in the last four years because the reality is the market's already corrected itself between five and 10%. Now, if this credit crunch keeps happening, your borrowing capacity is going to get even lower in six, 12, 18 months time. So, now is a great time to buy because you're buying when the market's already corrected itself. And if you take a long-term view of buying property in Sydney or in Australia, it's only going to get exponentially more and more expensive because you've got more people coming to the country.
0: Spoken like a true real estate agent. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think that you know, if you look at it, it just adds up like that. You're
1: working in Sorry Hills, Darlinghurst, yep. and you're in a
2: amazing you know, you're. A
1: your market is not the same market as every other market. Sure. You know, you're in a you're in a market where there is scarcity. Yeah. There's only so many houses within those and on those streets. And mm. as Sydney's population keeps going up, mm. but not every property in Australia works like that. Not every property's got scarcity. Sure. And so you have seen, and you will continue to see in those suburbs, just purely down to the location. And there's a massive shortage of supply of housing. So I guess you've got to Rather than a kind of a blanket view on property, he's got to be really careful around the property story because what what actually happens in in Darlinghurst is maybe not what happens in the western suburbs or you know in other parts of of Sydney. I guess that's just a, a fear with with a lot of buyers. You know, I agree with you with, in Surrey Hills. It, it's if there is a bit of a correction there, it's, it's a great time to buy. But I, I find that you know a lot of parts in in Sydney, you know, the, there might be a bit more pain to come.
0: I'm I'm interested though because <laughs> you know I'm certainly in agreement. You know, those areas are one of the reasons that we do buy there and one of the reasons we encourage our investors to buy there, yeah, um, is because of that there is always demand for quality property. But interestingly enough, and touching on that idea of less stock, and there is less stock at the moment too, in, you're dealing with vendors. Are you finding that if they don't feel like they're going to get their price, they're just not going to list?
2: It all depends on their motivation. Like not a lot of people just sell because they want to get an amazing price Mm -hmm. or they want to tap out of the market. A lot of people sell for many reasons. They could be changing a career. They could be upsizing because they've got, they've had kids. They could be downsizing because the kids have left the house. You know, they could be under financial difficulty. They've stretched themselves. Mm. There's a lot of reasons why people sell. So, you know, property will always trade regardless of what's happening Mm. in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. So there will always be stock on the market. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that there's a difference in quality when the market slows down? Do you find that there's sort of it's harder to get those sort of A-grade properties?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, what we're finding with the market at the moment, your A-grade properties are still selling for A-grade prices. Yep. It's your yep. B and C-grade properties that were getting A-grade prices in 2014, 15, 16, yep. 17. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That aren't anymore. And then it's yep. owners who are struggling because they're scratching their head, going, "Well, you know, a couple of years ago I could get these prices. Why can't I?" And it's really hard to tell an owner you've got to or a C grade property,
0: yeah. you know, especially
2: if you but sold it to them. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's <laughs> but but it is, you know, like you good quality products, you good quality yeah. developers, you good quality areas and building and Like there's precincts within um, suburbs that yeah. are good quality, and you know, it's uh, that's you've just got to you explain that to your owners and educate your owners. That's all you can do. Yeah, that's all you can do.
1: And I guess it's smart to be honest because with a lot of buyers there. Seeing it as, you know, every property in Surrey Hills or every property in Darlinghurst, you can't lose because it's the suburb. Mm. But what you're seeing here is the A-grade properties within those suburbs are doing really well. Yep. Even though we're having this kind of shortage of buyers out there compared to what there was last year, but it's the B and C-grade. What would be your definition of a B or a C within Darlinghurst or Surrey Hills?
2: Ah, oh, geez, I've got to be careful when I, what I say here, don't I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, look, I think if you're looking at Darlinghurst, Darlinghurst is a really cool suburb. It's positioned like amazingly. You've got the CBD, you've got the Harbour Foreshore, you've got Potts Point, which is probably one of the highest expensive um, suburbs in the country. You've got Paddington, full of you know home, like you know families, and Surrey Hills is just kind of going off at the moment. But when you look at Darlinghurst, I always find that the properties on the ridgeline, when you look at it from a geographically perspective, those those properties up on Victoria Street yeah. and, you know, because it kind of it's an extension from from Potts Point and, you know, with Darlinghurst Road, that Golden Mile, that'll all change over the next five, ten years and that'll all become, you know, pristine kind of um, shops, in my opinion, and cafes and restaurants. So if you can follow that ridgeline all the way through to, through to Surrey Hills and you've got, you know, St Margaret's, which, which is a really good development site and you've got Woolworths underneath that, you know, that's kind of that, – that. I find that's what those properties there achieve the better prices, A, eh? because they command better views. You're not down in a gully um, and you're near all the retail and the cafes. Mm-hmm. So that's – in Darlinghurst, that's my opinion. That's where I think the best properties are. But in saying that, you know, like there's a sh- real shift at the moment. Like East Sydney starting to do really mm-hmm. well because – prices in you know up along victoria street are quite quite you know they've done really well and east sydney there's a, there's a shift towards the city with downsizes wanting to be closer to all the cafes and theaters and restaurants so it, it, it goes in waves it goes in waves but mm-hmm. in my opinion those properties up on the ridge line on victoria street in darlinghurst are the best ones in in darlinghurst it does
0: mm-hmm. come down to scarcity yeah. as well doesn't yeah. it like you say you know that that's what's got the, those views and obviously airflow and totally. light and there's a whole bunch of all that. Yep. Interestingly enough, you know, we all know there's A, B and C grade properties, yeah. really unlucky a D grade. <laughs> now, you've still got to sell them. Yeah, you know, totally. As a buyer's agent, I don't have to buy them, yeah. but as a sales agent, you've got to sell them. Now, what are you having to do to get Bs and Cs across the line?
2: It's a matter of representing value. That's what it is. You know, is. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a good example. If if a property was selling for 1.25, 1.3 12 months ago, now that is selling for one one-ish, right? So a buyer who's got one one to spend is not going to see value in that property. Mm-hmm. We need to get a buyer at a million dollars to say, hey, 12 months ago this was worth one three. Now it's worth one one. This is excellent value. And that is how to sell to a, that is how to sell. That's what you've got to do. So you've got to show to the buyers in the marketplace that there is exceptional value here and the price has come down. That's what you've got to do. And you know, not all people wanna buy in a prestige building. For example, I'm a perfect example. I bought in a on a BC kind of grade property. I did. <laughs> did I you did. Tell why? I did, you know. <laughs> I bought a property, I paid two, three for it. Um it's got amazing bridge and city views. It's 150 square meters. Uh, I went to Potts Point. i I was living. I was renting for a for a small period of time in Potts Point, and the same apartment with the same views in a really prestige building was three million bucks. So I saw great value in that property and paid two three for it. I've got I got 20 or 30 square meters extra. You know I've got these incredible views and it's a penthouse in an average building. I just got hit with a bloody i um, fire levy, but what do you
1: do? <laughs> <laughs> now somebody should be doing your intelligence. <laughs> I think it's such a really interesting conversation, to be honest, because it's not always about getting grade A. You can get value and getting a grade B, and you're getting a lower purchase price. You're going to have a lower mortgage for the whole time you have that property, which means lower payments, and you're going to save money there.
2: Yeah. The it's problem all, it's is also
0: when you buy B, because we're talking about timing the market, and there are certain properties that will go up. And then they go down and they yep. go up. And so the timing of buying that is critical. You don't want to buy that in a hot market. So now is a great, great opportunity to see value in those sorts of properties. I absolutely agree. Really? Well, the market mm.
2: that's really firing at the moment, you guys would know, is the downsizer market. Mm. Like it's it's, a, it's an amazing market at the moment. They don't have to worry about the banks because they've got cash. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> um, mm. You know, they're paying really – Good money for apartments. They all want level living or, you know, maybe a couple of stairs is okay. I just traded an apartment in Neal Avenue for $2.43 million and it was 140 square meters. It looked out onto a tennis court. Um, It was a a nice property, but, you know, like we had two or three um, downsizers compete for that. Didn't have to worry about asking them, do you have finance? Like they were ready to roll in it, you know, and they competed heavily for it. Mm -hmm. So that market is a really good market at the moment.
1: I think- something for our listeners here is just to think about the markets and you've got investors, you've got home buyers and people a lot of the time forget about the downsizes mm. and the downsizers are the ones that are selling out of the, the Sydney boom now and are selling houses and they're getting older, the kids have moved out and they're, they're a big demographic and if you can buy something that suits downsizers as well as young families, they are on to a bit of a winner here and I, I think it's very interesting. How do you deal with the downsizes though? Are they looking at terraces in Darlinghurst or sorry no, Hill.
2: Some of them will, will look at terraces, but the majority want level living. They want apartment living. They've been living in terraces for the last twenty years or fifteen years, and they just want easy, easy, easy. That's what they want. They're happy to pay strata levies, but they want location. They want close to cafes and restaurants and theatres. And they may want an extra bed for the kids, but most of them are sick of them. So they've, they don't they, they don't, <laughs> don't have an extra bed. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, like it, that's, that's what they're looking for. That's what they're looking mm-hmm. for. And they're happy to pay good money for it. And the reality is, like you said, they've been, they've held a property during, or two or three or multiple properties during a boom period. They're all kind of cashed up three, four, five million, six million bucks. And they want to, you know, they want to buy a nice place for them. They've done the hard yards with the kids.
0: So do they drive less of a hard bargain?
2: These buyers all said they wouldn't pay, it, but in the end they did.
0: All right. So, yeah, they, so they, to- they
2: do negotiate really strongly, mm. but at the end of the day, I think if you've got a must-have buyer, then if you've got, a, you've got multiple must-have buyers, they'll compete heavily for it. Was that auction? No, it was sold prior.
1: Right. Well, so- I mean, there's something called mental accounting and they've just made mm. $4 million on selling a property and so they've – you know they're they're quite overconfident and they're more than happy to put that money back into property and they're not too concerned whether they're getting value or not because they've they've made money on the left hand so where they don't make as much money on the right hand absolutely it doesn't matter
2: and you, do you know and we spend so much time with these guys too like it's you know a lot of them uh, sixty plus years old they you know they want to spend time and they want to see the property three or four times they just don't want to make a decision straight away because it is it is enough, it is kind of like, one of the last places they'll live in. So you've got to really hold their hand through it, the process, and spend a lot of time with them and give them, you know, six-star service. That's what you've got to do. Yeah.
0: How do you get them to crunch time? How do you get them to the point where they actually then make an offer?
2: How do you get them to, uh, well, I mean, prior to auction, I simply asked them, I said, guys, do you want to buy this prior? Do you want to come to auction and bid competitively for it? (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's interesting wording there. Yeah. So, is that meant to be subtly saying you can buy it prior? You don't have to compete. You come, well, no, no, you just compete? Give, them,
2: give them the option. I'll give them the option. And mm. the reality is, you know, 80% of people say they want to buy it prior. Yeah. And then at that point in time, if, look, if we've got good interest in the property, we'll run it to auction. Like that's, that's the whole purpose of the campaign, mm. to get people in a room and be competitively against each other. That's what we want to achieve, right? However, you know, if if there is uh, minimal interest in it or if our owner's situation changes and said, we want to sell now, Mark, then that's when we move forward mm. and create a, a, you know, pre-auction purchase. Mm. Yeah, so. Or well, you've think- got one really solid offer, I guess. Yeah, look, I mean, the reality is we, we, we really know where our buyers are at. Like we'll know whether a buyer's... Um, we'll know if there's a $100,000 difference between one buy and the next based Mm. on the quality of questions we ask them. So then at that point in time, we make a decision on whether we, you know, we'll we'll always refer to our owner because it's our owner's decision um, and say, look, you know, what do you want to do? This is the situation, Um, you know, and then the owner will make a decision and then we'll move forward and, and represent them. I think that's the main thing, you know, is really giving the owner the option. That's what we do. It's not our property. We're just representing the owner. We can give them our recommendations and at the end of the day, then we execute it for them. Yeah. And
0: so once you've decided that the best approach is to is really to try to sell it prior,
2: mm.
0: and the and the owner agrees, what sort of process do you go through well, to try can, to make that happen? There's
2: two processes you can go through, and I give my owner two options. I say we can go back and forth and make offers until someone drops out, or if a buyer's bring, brought you an offer and it's satisfied your expectations. What we will do then is we'll go back to the rest of the market and say, hey, look, there's an offer. It's in the range of X. Are you a buyer over this level? Just keep in mind, we will give you one chance to pay one offer. I'm going to give the buyer originally satisfied the owner's expectations a final chance as well because we just t- cut. Some people like the duck auction. Some people don't. The majority of people <laughs> don't, right? It's <laughs>
0: bad to say. I don't know anyone that does. <laughs> it depends on
2: if you're a seller or if you're a buyer. And look, yeah. people, yep. pe- everyone's got different expectations and opinions on it. so. If in that situation we do get a higher offer than what was originally offered, we'll let everyone know. We'll go back to the final buyer and give them one final opportunity to pay what the owner wants. And we just don't disclose prices because at the end of the day, I want the buyer to pay what they feel the property's worth, not what the next, not $1,000 more than what the next buyer was.
0: Look, that's a tough one, isn't it? Because from a buyer's perspective, you know, quite often they might respect that you're not going to shop their off around either. However, at the same time, they're going to want some guidance. So You know, how do you navigate that?
2: Yeah, well, look, a lot of the time, you know, we'll just say, I mean, we'll say to the buyer, look, we told the owner, you know, 22 to 242, right? That's a 10% range which is on our agreement. It's in line with market comparables and Office of Fair Trading. Um, You know, we've got an offer outside that range, yeah, so not at the bottom, at the top. (laughs) And um, we've got an offer outside that range. Um, You're going to have to be thinking well above that if you want to buy this place.
0: That's as good of the guidance as you give. That's it.
2: <laughs> right. well, I'm thinking 2.6, you know. Well, you own the property. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, look, I mean, it's. I know it might sound like it's not fair, but it is fair because it's kind of transparent because a lot of the buyers will go, no, I don't want a Dutch auction. I don't want that. Okay, well, this is how we're going to run it then.
0: It is always an interesting one because, of course, gazumping is legal in New South Wales, and I always find it interesting because somebody's doing the gazumping is quite happy to, you know, be involved in gazumping, but somebody being gazumped does not like gazumping. That that
2: buyer that comes that that makes a higher offer, they're they're made very aware that the first buyer that satisfied the owner's expectations will give will be given one final opportunity to Mm. pay a higher offer. So this is your if you're the second buyer, this is your only opportunity to pay to buy this property, put in your best offer, strongest offer. And um, generally they get the picture. Yeah, yeah. And then um, if it's higher, then we'll go back to the other buyer and that then they, I'll get them generally to email me their best offer. And if it's higher, then we get them to change the contract. If it's if it's lower, then sorry, guys, we've already sold it.
1: Yeah, yeah and I guess, I mean, in the current market, you know, are you finding that that shouldn't be such a problem or are you finding that, you know that this—it's still the AGO properties are still going for it. The... No, look, this
2: is a market where you can probably sit back and you know just pick off what you want. I'd say as a buyer, yeah, yeah, because mm-hmm. we're only getting uh, one to two buyers at every auction at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's what we're seeing in the marketplace—one to two buyers. Very often, you'll find that there's probably maybe zero buyers on a property over a four or five week campaign. Just haven't found someone. You know what's happening is you've got agents who overprice properties. They Price, they're promising prices, and they're not focusing on process. They're pricing property based on 2017 prices. They're telling owners what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. Um, you know, they're not they're not they're they're not presenting the property nicely. They're not taking the time to educate their owners to present the property beautifully. Um, the timing is terrible, like because there's a heap of other stock on the market at that time. Like we just went through that, um, we got hit with a heap of stock heap of stock levels in January, uh, february march for two bedroom apartments in surrey hills and the mark was also coming back and properties were selling for 150 grand less in 200,000 less than what they should have um a year ago so all these things are, pro- are really important and then quotes the other thing like if you don't get your quote right in this market uh then you won't sell you get everything else right but the quote you still won't sell
1: well I've seen that just recently that some property have they've reduced the price and it says advertised price reduce which is pretty concerning because it's not a great indication for yeah. a, giving a buyer confidence that yeah. this price was actually more expensive a couple of weeks ago. You know how do you think that affects buyers and you know how do you think that's affecting the market?
2: I think it has a neg- negative in- effect on buyers when they see prices reduced because they think oh, what's wrong with it? You know, mm. I'm not quite sure, you know, what's going on here. The market's coming back and so is prices. So I think it just comes down to agents. They've got to really, they've got to get their pricing right when they speak with owners. And and so many agents will tell owners what they want to hear and not what they need to hear and, um, you know, just to get the listing. And then they spend the next four or five weeks or eight weeks, 12 weeks just, you know, hammering the owner.
0: Because it is interesting, isn't it? Because there is a stock shortage and it yeah. has been for a number of years now. Yeah. Um, and that's exacerbated at the moment because people aren't feeling like they're getting their price and if they're not particularly motivated, if they don't have other reasons for selling or if yep. they, time is not necessarily a pressure for them, they'll hold off. And so there's more and more agents as well. A boom brings lots of new entrants into the marketplace and so you're competing. There's more agents want a piece of, you know, the shrinking pie, yep. squeeze on fees and the whole palaver that goes along with that and then there's that overpromising. The buying the listing that idea yeah. about going in and telling someone it's worth more than the, you really probably think you're going to get. So
2: I think um, with that, I think a lot of agents. You know, I think it's because sometimes there's agents who premeditate tell tell an owner more, right? Mm. But I also think it's to do with agents not preparing for the listing, right? Like they just turn up with no comparables, shoot from the hip, and Win that like get the listing, it's unprofessional. It's totally unprofessional. <laughs> like all well, my guys, they only if they turn up to a listing with me and they haven't brought five comparable sales with brochures for each one, um, you know, and what's and th- and th- two or three comparable sales for what's actually on the market, so we can sit down with the owner mm-hmm. and have a robust discussion around price. Then they don't come to any listings with me. Mm. Yeah. So. So from a buyer's
0: perspective, though, there's there could be opportunity in the marketplace one of my team bought a property the other night yeah and and it was, we bought it for less money than it was quoted for you know the agent had missed it whether they bought the listing on it I don't know whether they yeah. just got it wrong and it's one of those opportunities which meant that there was nobody on it the agent was trying to bluff us and that there were all these buyers on it but we knew that there weren't because they'd missed the quoting just enough to have put buyers off and you know we got a delighted client who who actually didn't think he could afford in that area anyway so you know Win win for us, but we see opportunity in that. And I don't think a lot of buyers, you know, like you say, they're thinking, what's wrong with the property? And if the only thing that's wrong is the pricing, then there is opportunity there for buyers, right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. Real, real, love- real buyer's market. I'd love to hear it with the, you know, Surrey
1: Hills and Darlinghurst are. You know, it's, it's not like every other suburb it's got lots of apartments you've got lots of houses you've yeah. got lots of beautiful houses you know you've got potentially bad spots and you know you know very, trouble very in diverse nightlife and, yeah you know close to the city and you've got um, you know things like Airbnb playing in the market it's very complex. How do you in terms of this buyer market what portion of that market do you think you know what sellers or what vendors are really going to get hit harder than other? You know, what type of properties are the ones that, you know, you're going to see problems in?
2: Um, I would, I think ultimately the suburbs, the suburbs are very popular. There's no doubt about that, but what affects it's, I don't think it really comes down to type of properties. In my opinion, it comes down to how the property taken to market. That is my, that's my opinion. So again, it's the education process with the owner. You know, when we take a property to market, there's a number of key elements we need to really focus on and make sure we get right. First and foremost is timing. So we've got to, think, we've got to pick a time where we come on the market, there's not a great deal of stock to compete against. Now, I always get asked, when's the best time to go to market? The best time, in my opinion, is um, over winter, because what, um, what varies in, in the inner city is stock levels. By demand remains pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, over those over the yeah. seasons, yeah? Especially in the home buyer Absolutely. market. Absolutely. So why wouldn't you come on the market when there's less stock on the market, which is just before spring? And the other time is in December and January. December is an amazing time to come on the market because you've got all the buyers who have sold in spring who are downsizing into the market or upsizing, and they need to buy something, and there's no stock on the market in December. The number one time when buyers look on um, real estate websites is actually New Year's Day and January. Mm-hmm. So you're coming on the market and there's no stock. So the timing is really critical and that's what's going to help you get the best price. Mm-hmm. The second part is um, making sure the presentation's amazing. Like so many uh, um, agents just rush properties onto the, website, uh, onto the website and they don't think about presentation. Like to buy an investment property, my advice if you're a buyer in the marketplace, you want to go and buy and you wouldn't understand this, <laughs> Veronica, is look at the agents that are selling out of area. Yeah. Look at the agents where, um, all the properties are selling out of area. Look at the properties photos. You can tell if there's a tenant in there and I can guarantee you will pick that property up. I reckon five to 10% under price. it's
1: mm-hmm.
2: oh, that's a huge amount. And that's mainly because the agent doesn't know the prices. They've rushed their owner onto the website because, you know, they just want the listing or they've got no idea. And they're pretty poor negotiators because they don't sell much property. And mm-hmm. also
0: if they're out of the area, they don't actually like traveling to yeah, totally. the suburb to yeah. show the property and fighting for parking in hills. <laughs> so
2: so like, you know, um, I, I think that's really that's really important. So to, just to bring it back to your point, it's not it's not certain properties, it's the way they're taken to market. Mm-hmm. The other thing is the marketing campaign. So many owners um or agents might stimp on a marketing campaign. Most marketing campaigns these days are pretty similar. Um, we, we heavily focus on, um, social media. We try and get videos. People look at more videos online now than photos and, Mm -hmm. uh, and print. So, you know, having a really strong marketing campaign is, is important because you want to reach every buyer in the marketplace. You want to reach your out of area buyers. Mm -hmm. You want to reach your active buyers, which you're going to get, they're going to see on com Mm -hmm. anyway. You want to reach, um, your inactive buyers, your inactive buyers, they pay the most because they don't understand the values.
0: Oh, there's a yeah. good tip.
2: You know, they pay the most. So you don't understand the value because they're not looking the market all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got your local buyers who, you know, they buy because of the area. So like that, if you have a strong marketing campaign that's going to pick up that whole that that whole um, circle of buyers, mm-hmm. that's really critical because, you know, we want to get 100% of the price. We need to get 100% of the market. through.
1: So if you were, if you were buying a property, what are some of the tips you'd use Give to buyers in terms of how they approach
2: and deal with agents, and yeah, you know, well, I guess I guess yeah, get to the before you out. get onto that. So let me carry you off the only other part is into ter- in terms of getting you know the best possible price is you got to get your quote right in this marketplace, and then that comes down to what we discussed before, making sure that you know you you've educated your owners, you've you come on the market with a, with an with an attractive quote, quote quote price, which is in line with market comparables and fair trading. Like mm-hmm. if you're not on the market with an attractive quote price, you are not selling in this market.
1: And then moving on to more the buyers, you know, if you were, if you were buying a property, what's some of the – because a lot of our listeners are, are trying to buy into these markets. You know, they're trying to buy the family home and then they get to the agent and then they've got to go through all the hurdles. And So how would, if you were a buyer, what's some of the things that you would be doing that you think that a lot of other buyers
2: wouldn't be doing? Uh, first and foremost, I would um, make sure my finance is approved. Like I wouldn't go hunting. I wouldn't actually go and physically inspect a property unless my finance is approved. because You can guarantee the first one you like – you know, in 10 weeks' time, you'll look back and go, shit, I should have bought that. Excuse the French. It's <laughs> all right.
0: We can cope with a little bit of swearing on this podcast.
2: <laughs> um, so that first and foremost, make sure you got your finance approved, yeah? Uh, spend a lot of time online. Spend a lot of time at Open for Inspections. I would... I would buddy up with three or four agents, three agents that sell the most in the area because they're going to be dealing with most of the buyers, mm-hmm. yeah? And particularly, you look at the stock that you're selling. In some areas, some agents will just sell apartments. In some areas, agents will sell houses. But you got to buddy up with um, a couple of agents. So, you know, when a property comes up that that you th- that they think that might suit you, guess what? You're the first person to call because as an agent, we're dealing, the, the, the good agents are dealing with, you know, 20 red hot buyers um, and so you want to be, You want to be the first one they think of out of that 20, right? Um,
0: How do you do that without becoming annoying?
2: you just become you got to be likable. So you got to <laughs> smile. <laughs> There's no point walking through an open home with your head down, um, grunting that because you, you got pissed off with the last agent. Like you've got to you got to be happy. You mm-hmm. got to walk through. You got to be nice to the nice to the agents, and you know. And I think then agents will really recognise that. And um, and also be forthcoming with answers because we we qualify a lot of buyers, and we'll ask them, you know, what are the properties you bid on, and you know, we'll want to work out whether you're worthwhile. I'm working with because mm. the buyers that aren't worthwhile working with are the buyers, and I I did it when I first started. I'd work with them for two years, mm. and it was just wasted, kind of wasted my time in it. I built a great rapport with them, and got you know, nowhere. Yeah, we got <laughs> nowhere. You know, so as as much as lovely as they are, it's still you know you you kind of you want to try and get forward in this game, and you can't do that if they don't buy.
0: <laughs> How do you tell a tie kicker then?
2: Well, we would just ask, uh, you know, is your finance approved? Um, what other properties have you bid on recently? Have you made offers on any properties? Uh, and I would ask them, you know, what was the last property you bid on? Can you send me a link to it? And if they they send it to you, then, you know, they kind of, you know that they're- They're on the hook. They're on the hook. Well, <laughs> they're, they're kind of like, they're ready to go, you know. Yeah. They're ready to go. So that's, and then and then it's pretty simple. You just- I'd be placing them. Um, I'd be asking questions. What what they didn't they like about that property? You know what what other areas you're looking in? What price range can you go to? And I've got buyers. I've got I've got properties off market which are coming online which I can put them onto, uh, or I've got properties online with my agents and myself who I can put them onto. So.
0: so how, how often would you think buyers might buy the wrong property? I, wouldn't,
2: I don't think I would. I don't think they'd buy. I don't. I mean. To, as you know, I think they've bought the wrong property, or they get buyer remorse. Yeah,
0: they might have went once they move in. I mean, maybe you don't hear about it afterwards, but you know, you know, they move in and think, oh, it's I don't think self-facing. it happens. I don't, I don't think, think it happens it. that often. You're, you don't think it does.
1: No, no. I guess the hard part is that why would they be selling? You mentioned before about you know a lot of turnover in these in these inner rings is every three to four years. You know, if if you were you were thinking about things a bit more broadly and a bit, you know, how would your life pan out long-term, you know, owning a property for three years then selling it, it mm. probably wasn't the right decision, you know, the cost to buy, the cost to sell, things like that. I mean, a lot of the things that I do with clients is is sit down and go, well, what, how does this property, do they fit into this property long-term? How are you going to grow into this? Are you sure you want to live here long-term or, you know, you're in your early 30s, you like going out, you know, you want to be in the vibe but, you know, as soon as kids come along, you don't really want to be there and, you know, I guess that's 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 probably a sign of you know not buying the right property. Yeah. Um. I mean, I guess it's. Do you find that a lot of families have that problem in places like Surrey Hills, Darlinghurst, where they kind of outgrow the
2: area, or they outgrow it because they have more kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably the big one. Like we just had another kid, we in another room. Um. They they they're the main ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's separation, which is another one. Um. Mm-hmm. And. And then people, I mean, what you saw from 2010 onwards was a lot of people, even like early double O's, right? Uh, people would accumulate properties. They'd buy their, mm. buy their one bedroom. They'd, uh, they'd, okay, well, I've built some equity in it now for two or three years. I'll hold that. I'll go and buy another one, two-bedroom apartment. I'll build some equity in that one. Now I've got, I'll buy a terrace and all of a sudden over, you know, 10, 15 years, I've got three or four properties. And that's what you see a lot. But, and- I guess those properties are going to start coming up soon now because of what's happening with the banking. You know, the um, interest-only loans not happening anymore. You can't. You'll have to pay principal interest. So those properties that have come up, if they've locked the interest rate in for five years, they'll start coming up over the next couple of years.
1: Yeah, I mean that is you know we call this property podcast the elephant in the room, and that is one of the elephants in the room. You know, yeah. what happens to interest-only loans, and you know for homeowners, interest-only loans. You know, and if they don't exist, they're not going to affect homeowners too much because fundamentally they want to live in the home and when they go principal and interest, they'll just be forced and they'll knuckle down and make it work.
2: Or well, they'll sell.
1: Yeah, or or they'll sell. I mean, but then, you know, generally, you know, they have to buy and they'll they'll try to make it work. They'll, they'll do everything they can to make it work under principal and interest mm. and not be, sell. Investors, though, can't, you know, because, you know, they've been banking on $12,000 a year or $5,000 a year is their loss. But when you add in principal, you know, that could go to $30,000 a year. So, you know, it's it's parts of the market that are, are generally bought by investors, you know, and, and generally investors don't buy homes. They, you know, in the past because of the affordability of them, you know, they're houses. much more expensive. <laughs> um, so they'll, they'll go to things like apartments and they'll go to, you know, because it's easy to rent, you know, you don't have to worry about maintenance on the house. So I guess it's it's, you know, the interest-only loans you know, discussion. It's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. It yeah. goes into it goes into who what's it really going to affect and it probably won't affect properties that are bought by home buyers as much. Yep. But it'll affect properties investors. that are bought by investors. Absolutely. Um and I guess, you know, that's 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 just something for listeners to think about is, is that if lending does tighten it up, it's not tightening up to everyone. It's only really tightening up to, to investors. Yeah that's right. Yeah.
0: Every week, we hear incredible stories of the dumb things that property buyers do, dumb things that end up costing them a lot of money and or creating a whole lot of stress, mistakes that can be avoided. Now, please, Mark, help our listeners out here. Give us an example of a property dumbo because we can all learn what not to do
2: from these stories. I had a situation where I had a buyer looking for a property for eight years. They wanted to be in this building for eight years, I found it for them, right? I found it for them. I came up with another agent, called them. She had a finance approved. It lapsed. She got it pre-approved. She got it approved again. And then she had a phone off for two days. And then she called me up and said, Mark, I missed the property. The agent called me, but I was, I didn't have my phone on. I was just like, wow. You know, like if you want to buy this property, you've been wanting to buy this, right? Now I've, I've, what I've done is I've called through the building and I found another seller in there for her, same thing. I'm trying to get hold of her. I can't get hold of her. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. So Eight years, though, that's ha- have, a have long f- time. Have <laughs> your phone on. Have <laughs> your phone on is, is a big one. Mark's tip. <laughs> uh, look, and you know, make sure your finance is approved. Like you've got to have your finance approved. Um, we won't deal with people unless, you know, they're they're fully financed. Um, I don't think so because it just it makes it really hard, hard, <laughs> harder on, hard, really hard on the owner's expectations and their anxiety around the sale. Because mm. if you get offer acceptance, you have to wait for two or three weeks. It's tough.
0: And people do make offers thinking they've got finance in place, and they don't. So in don't. reality, if you don't have your finance in place, it's not really an offer. I could you I'm going to pay you five million yeah. for the property. It's just as useless as yeah. saying I'll pay
2: one million. The, the The other like advice I would give is know your values. Like when you go into the marketplace and you're ready to make an offer on a property, like if you're a buyer and you understand values because you've been at all the other open homes, you've been to auctions, you've seen what properties are sold for, you inspected properties um, and then follow them up in four weeks' time to see what they sold for. When you get to this scenario that you found the perfect property that you want to buy and that you love, it's just such an easy decision because you know values. The the best valuers in valuers in real estate um, that are buyers still don't own a property. Because they don't pay, they don't pay, they don't pay up for it. Because they, they know every single value, sorry, um, and they've just they always fall short. They always fall short, but mm. but and and they're not willing to pay. So
0: I was going to ask you about that actually, because yeah. sometimes they can get too smart for their own good, can't That's they? Right. And they actually they never pay enough because right. they're they a bit too smart.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. So while you're saying, sometimes people get too educated with values, and then they don't. They still,
2: they still don't own a property, and mm-hmm. then like you've seen in the boom time that we've just been in. Like people who if you didn't buy a property for three years, you pri- like you could you've just lost so much money. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You've priced yourself out of the market really. Or you've negotiated yourself out of the market. Opportunity cost.
0: Now, do you have any more dumbos for us so we can talk about? That was the biggest one. That just, was it. The yeah, eight like
2: years. It was yeah, it was kind of just didn't get it. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and like the person still wants to buy this property that I've got coming up, but the last two days hasn't called me back. So
0: have you got someone else on it?
2: No, but it's, yeah, it's we're close to doing the deal. But I just, anyway, I'll, it'll be interesting to find out why she hasn't called me back. Yeah. Well, true. hopefully yeah. she's called you
1: back here because I know your phone's off. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming in. I really appreciate all your time. Yeah, and, thanks, uh, guys. Thanks
2: yeah, a lot. I enjoyed, I enjoyed being on the program. Thanks oh, for having me. Great. Yes. No, that's yeah, great.
0: You. We got some great insights from you and thank you so much. Really appreciate your time.
2: Awesome. Thank you.
1: We want to make you a better elephant rider. This week's elephant rider training is
0: how to go about price research. Now, Mark said that he really encourages buyers to research price, to understand values, to look at auction results and follow and document and record what properties have sold for in the market in which they want to buy. Now, this is a really, really important thing to do. And there's a couple of simple ways you can do it. You can go to every single open house and then keep a spreadsheet and basically keep a note of every single sale price. You can also utilize uh, real estate portals such as realestate.com.au and also domain.com.au. They have a sold section. So you can actually go in and search for properties that have sold in every suburb. You can look for houses or apartments, two bedrooms, three bedrooms, one bedroom, however you want to look. And by looking at those links, and I would create a spreadsheet and I would put those links in there, I would also print off the floor plans because some of the big differences between properties are going to be in the size, in the layout, whether they have a garage or a carport whether they've got a big block of land or a small block of land there's there's quite a lot of differences that can be found in the actual floor plans so look at the actual photos look at the standard of renovation etc etc but I would print off the floor plans and I'd tally up the internal sizes because that is something that can be quite revealing actually and a very important feature or factor into prices Okay, Chris, what are we adding to our memory bank this
1: week? So Mark talked a lot about the importance of getting finance approval and what I'm going to put together this week is just the steps you need to go through to actually get formal approval and how important it is to actually get all your documents ready and get your application lodged weeks before you're actually out there putting offers in because it can take, depending on the bank you choose, a few weeks to get the pre-approval done.
0: Tune in to our next episode when we interview Strata Manager Rena Van Alst. Now, this is an interesting episode because we don't often know what a Strata Manager does and also from a Strata Manager's point of view, when an inspection is done on the records for a prospective buyer, what is missing and what they don't look at and what you as a buyer should ask for.
1: The Elephant in the Room Property Podcast is recorded at the Sydney Soundbrew. This week's podcast was recorded by John Resk and edited by Gordie Fletcher. Until next week, don't be a dumbo. Me again. We're looking forward to spending more time with you and uncovering what's really going on in the world of real estate. Please subscribe. Be sure to send us a message, leave an iTunes review, and tell your friends.
0: Now remember, everything we talked about on this podcast is general in nature and should never be considered to be personal financial advice. If you're looking to get advice, please seek the help of a licensed financial advisor or buyer's agent who will tailor and document their advice to your personal circumstances with a statement of advice.